you could be 25 no's away from that big yes, from the yes that's gonna like either change your career, get you to that next step your business needs to get to, you know, bust you through that door you wanna get in. But you gotta get through the no's. You gotta, you gotta understand that each no is just one extra step further to that yes um, that you ultimately seek. Welcome to the Infactor Conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and today's guest is Jonathan Lubick. Jonathan and his partner, Alex Onania, are the co-founders of Distinction Agency, a full-service firm that specializes in athlete and influencer marketing. Distinction Agency brings together athletes, businesses, and influencers to create strategic partners that advance brands around the world. Their creative influencer marketing strategies are designed to amplify their clients' brand stories and reach millions of people worldwide. On today's episode, Jonathan and I cover a wide range of topics that I am certain will be of interest to anyone who loves entrepreneurship. During our conversation, he shares his guidelines for successful business development and personal selling, what his firms look for in employees, partners, and interns, and how he and his partner, Alex, have built a lean organization that can stay open to all of the great opportunities emerging in technology. We even dig into cryptocurrency and NFTs. I hope you enjoy. So Jonathan, thank you for joining me today on InFactor. Thank you for having me. Really excited for us to chat and catch up here. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm really excited to hear about Distinction Agency and hear a little bit more about how you got started and, and what you and your partner, Alex, do. But, but before we get into all of that, I'd just love to start by asking you if you, if you could tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into this business of, um, you know, talent agency and how you're, uh, you know, how you got into entrepreneurship. How did this all begin? Did, are you one of those one of those children that started with a lemonade stand. Uh. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, for me specifically, it's, yeah, it's always kind of been in my DNA a little bit. I think in my mind, I've always had it in my head, you know, when, when you kind of make that master plan growing up is that I ultimately, you know, will have my own business, will go off on my own. Um, but prior to that, I also understood that, you know, experience was huge and getting out there and making the right connections and relationships and meeting the correct people. So even as a kid, you know, there, there were elements of me, you know, to your point of the lemonade stand, you know, selling a little bit things here and there. I remember growing up, eBay became very big and um, myself and even my father, we, we would sell a bunch of things on eBay. And that was really exciting. It was a great way to start experiencing, you know, what it was like to really make your own money and kind of, you know, quote unquote, control, you know, your destiny and control where you're going with everything. But I think over the years, especially in college, you know, a big focus of myself in college was kind of figuring out exactly, you know, what I wanted to do and what I wanted um, to focus on. Because, you know, it's one thing to say, you want to start your own business, you want to go off on your own, but you have to be able to provide value of some sort, right? Whether it's to another business or to, you know, a direct to consumer product to customers, you have to have uh, something to sell, whether a product or a service. And I think, you know, growing up and especially in college was figure out what are my interests? What are the things I like? And I've always naturally been drawn um, towards marketing and the idea of, you know, being able to help, you know, brands sell in mass, be able to, you know, sell a product or sell a service to a large group of individuals, whether it's, you know, segmented audiences, whether it's people of a certain interest. And I've always, you know, found that exciting because it's not something easy to do. It's not easy. It's one thing to convince one person to buy something. It's another thing to convince thousands of people to do it. So right. I've always kind of been drawn, you know, to that element. I think, um, you know, coming out of college, I was fortunate that I, I got an internship at a marketing firm here in downtown Miami. Um, that was a public relations firm. And my focus going into that um, was just to gain as much experience as possible. You know, when I, when I took that internship, in the summer of my senior year of college, um, it was just to learn and, and, and really try to make sure that that was something I wanted to do. And that was, you know, uh, an interest of mine that I wanted um, to, to really grow on and, and really take on as well. And I was fortunate that throughout that internship, I just had a really good knack for the role that they gave me, which was business development. So it was more primarily sales. And I was selling the PR services to direct and consumer brands 
And what, what was happening throughout my internship, I was outperforming a lot of those that were hired there full time that the, the manager at the time sat me down and who was also one of the business owners. And he told me, he's like, hey, man, you can either go off to grad school, um, which was my plan was to also go to grad school and get some additional education. Or you can have a full time job here right now, right out of college. I know um, growing up, I think uh, we I was often told that one of the greatest things ever is to be able to be offered a full time job right out of college. So I jumped on that opportunity. And, and while I was there is where I met my business partner, Alex, who was on the PR side of things um, of that agency, actually executing the service. And over the years, him and I worked very closely on a lot of projects. I oftentimes would bring on new clients, onboard them. And he would um, take the client, actually execute the service and get them a ton of amazing press coverage um, and really help grow that, grow that particular business and get them the exposure they were looking for. And I think, you know, towards the end of our tenure at that agency, him and I often talked about, you know, a lot of problems that we saw in the industry as a whole were, you know, demands for a specific solution. One of them being um, influencer marketing. Individuals wanted not only traditional PR, but they wanted talent, whether it's influencers of social media or professional athletes to further help sell in the brand and sell into the products uh, to audiences. So, you know, at the time, Alex and I talked about, hey, you know, what if we take everything we've gained here and we start an agency where we're focused on this particular solution? Because it was more influencer marketing was so fresh and so new back in 2018. Um, there was still a lot of growing pains to it. So him and I, you know, discussed it a lot and said, we have the foundation of PR, traditional public relations, but we can grow upon it um, with talent services. So we, we eventually made the jump together. Um, I was also fortunate that prior to making that jump, Alex as well was also um, a vice president of communications at a sports marketing firm um, for a little bit prior to us coming back together and then making the jump and starting Distinction Agency. And, and since then, that was back in 2018 when, when we officially started. And it's been you know, quite the journey thus far. That's a great story. And there's so much in there that I want to dig into because as you know, because one of my students has interned with you, uh, a lot of the audience for this uh, podcast um, fall into that category of students, uh, young people who are uh, getting close to graduation, trying to figure out their own path. And, and you talked uh, a lot about uh, already about the, you know, the fact that you came right out of school, went into an internship, the internship took you into employment, you brought up sales, which is another really important aspect of what every entrepreneur has to figure out. So there's a lot of really good lessons in there, I think. So you you actually, um, you're, let's talk a little bit about Distinction Agency and kind of what you do there and, and what this whole influencer marketing looks like and, and how your sales background has really been an important role in that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sure thing. Well, I'll start with Distinction really quick, just to kind of give a high level overview of the agency. So we basically have you know, two core services. Um, first and foremost, we do represent a large variety of professional athletes across sports like the Olympics, WNBA, MLB, NFL as well. And we also represent um, select uh, social media influencers too. And what we're able to do is partner the talent with direct consumer brands and services that are looking to integrate talent further into their marketing. And what we do, we go very much beyond kind of that traditional two-dimensional model of influencer marketing, where you have someone, you know, take a photo of a product and they post it on their social media and the brand is very much at the mercy of that influencer and that followers. We, we go a step further by giving really the full 360 value of the talent. And what that means is we inherently bake in things like rights to NIL, so name, image, and likeness, ownership of the content that the influencer or the content creators are creating, the ability to integrate the name of the talent and their photos into the rest of your marketing channels and marketing strategy. I think that's been you know night and day results-wise for a lot of our clients and a lot of brands um, in this industry because it goes you know very much beyond just being at the mercy of 100,000 followers or 500,000 followers. It's really branching outside of that and taking a well-recognized, let's say, NFL athlete and putting him in your Facebook ads or putting him on your website and, and having that, you know, greater word of mouth marketing um, really implemented as well. So that's, you know, a huge thing here at Distinction. The other 
core service we have um, goes back to what I was saying earlier, which is uh, very much traditional public relations and PR, where we are continuing to secure traditional press and major outlets across different vertical markets. But we have some unique things I think that are um, part of our secret sauce that I can't really go into too much that involve a lot of integrations with the rest of the strategies that we're doing um, that, that I think have been you know, very, very great for the, for the clients um, that we've worked with. So yeah, that's, you know, once again, uh, like I said, a high level overview um, of distinction and what we're doing. And I think when we talk about, you know, our roles as business owners, myself and Alex as well, um, we, we wear all hats, right? I, I often get asked, you know, what is, what is my role in particular? You know, me versus Al, what am I doing that he's not doing? And it's very hard for me to find that, you know, definite line because we are wearing so many hats. We are doing everything at once. You know, my background very much is heavy into business development and sales. But when we started um, the company, I had to learn a lot about, you know, actually executing a marketing program on the PR side of things, for example, actually putting together these ideas and making sure that they're actually going to move the needle um, for clients. And I think for Alex as well, his background was heavily in the marketing side of things. And when he, you know, got on board here with me, when we started Distinction together, he had to learn a lot about business development and sales, just because at the end of the day, as business owners, we, we have to be nimble. We have to be able to pivot. And I think um, with the pandemic just happening as well, that was a great example of us really wearing a lot of hats and having, you know, to do so many different roles in between sales and execution of strategy and then and client management. Like there's so much that um, goes into it. So I think, you know, to answer your question in short, we, we do everything and anything that needs to be done to help the agency continue to grow. Yeah, well, that sounds really interesting. So you've got, so it's really interesting. So you're matching up the, the influencers with a, a, a product or service or company. Um, and so which comes first from a sales perspective? I mean, when you first started, you first opened your doors, was your goal to go out and find those influencers um, and then go find the companies? Um, or, or how does that work? Because you're really kind of a matchmaker. So you're selling on both sides, right? Absolutely. No, we, we definitely are. Both sides um, is, you know, we're, we're selling on both sides, like you said, and we're also, you know, managing expectations on both sides and really creating a service for both sides. You know, I talk very much to the brands about integrating the talent into their marketing strategy so it can become more effective so they can move the needle more. But when the conversations I have with influencers and talent and professional athletes, it's, it's getting them what they're worth, money that, you know, compensation to their actual value. So they aren't in a situation where they're doing, you know, a bunch of um, different partnerships in exchange for pre free product or, you know, free um, service. Like some, you know, some individuals like doing that totally get it, but I know a lot put a lot of work into their content and into their social brands. Even the athletes themselves, they put in a lot of work on the field, on the court, but they're very, you know, particular about their brand outside, you know, outside of their sport. And they want to be, you know, compensated accordingly. If they're going to move the needle for a brand, it's important that the brand really compensates them in a fair, you know, value way. So that's, you know, the conversations I'm having a lot with the talent. And when we started the agency, you know, I think once again, I was fortunate looking back at my past and my previous career that I, because I was so focused on doing business development with so many years, so many years, I made a lot of great relationships in the direct to consumer space. I met a lot of different CEOs, CMOs, um, you know, VPs of marketing, even VPs of sales for a bunch of different brands that when we started the agency, that really wasn't the concern was, you know, getting the brands first. It was making sure that we had the talent. And I know in the very beginning, um, we signed a couple uh, traditional social media influencers and, you know, we start, we started with two and then we said, all right, let's, you know, proof of concept here. Let's take these two individuals, reach out to the relationships I already have, some of the brands I've been speaking to and see if we can, you know, make something happen here where not only does the partnership work out, but it's actually effective for both the brand and giving them the results they're looking for, but also the talent, making sure they feel fairly compensated. And from there, you know, like I said, proof of concept, once we saw it continue to work, we were also getting a, a Rolodex or a portfolio of examples and clients that we were starting to work with that, after the first couple campaigns we did, we reached out to a professional athlete, to um, you know an Olympian, an active Olympian, and then you know to the WNBA and then MLB, and we had all this work that we did in the beginning to help us kind of get our foot in the door into these conversations, and then from there get a chance to prove ourselves. So you know it certainly started with 
getting, you know, getting a couple individuals to trust us and, and, you know, allowing us to really market them and connect them with brands, running a couple of campaigns, because it really took the, the brands to trust us too, that, you know, these campaigns would be successful. And once we had that uh, in, in our portfolio of examples, we were able to build off of it um, and get uh, new clients, both on the brand side and the talent side as well. Yeah, that great lesson in there. You know, as you know, I, uh, I run the center here at the University of Tampa and we have an incubator program, accelerator program. So we have companies that are launching out of here, student companies and a few companies from the community. And so many times when they come in first to talk to me, they'll say, can you help me find somebody because I'm trying to raise money? And, you know, that's their initial conversation always. I want to raise money. But the reality is a lot of times they haven't gotten that proof of concept yet. So, and, and on top of that, you know, I had, a, uh, I had someone on my podcast not long ago who had come through our program and we were talking about how she funded her business and she funded her business on sales basically. And so, you know, that, that a lot of times sales is like the most important thing that an entrepreneur has to think about, especially in the early years. And, and I think that's, uh, that's clear in your message that you had to go out and find the, you know, a couple of clients, a couple of companies, match them up, do it well, and sort of start building those competencies, right. Around what, what you could do. You mentioned earlier your secret sauce, whatever that happens to be, but that all started with a couple of sales, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I echo that completely. Sales is really the foundation of our business, really any business in the world. And it's something that we talk about a lot to any of our employees or even our interns as well, that everyone that joins the agency, everyone, no matter what your role is, you learn how to sell. That's the first thing that we teach everyone is, you know, learning how to sell. Cause one, you learn the product the fastest way because you can't sell something you don't know. So you learn the product, you learn the service the, the quickest way. And then two, it's such a valuable skill that transcends so many different things in your life outside of just your career. It goes into your personal life. It doesn't, it's not pigeonholed to one vertical. Once you learn how to sell, you can really take that process, take your own sales method and use it across um, different brands or excuse me, different companies if you were to be hired or start your own company. And you will always at the end of the day be able to add value. That's something that we you know, tell a lot to our interns is that if there's one thing you walk away from this internship, it's one, you know, knowing whether or not you actually like this industry, like marketing, like sports, like working with pro athletes and influencers, but it's two, more, more importantly, knowing how to sell, because then you will always be valuable to anyone you work for, for the rest of your life. Um, and I think that resonates a lot um, with the interns that we work with, because they start to see it immediately, that all the conversations at the end of the day, foundationally really are sales. Even when we're pitching a, a massive campaign to a company, we're selling that campaign idea. Like we already know the campaign is going to work, but we need to get the company to understand why it would work and how it's going to work and set expectations. So um, yeah, I echo everything you just said. Sales is so important and so foundational that, you know, if I had to pick one, um, you know, lesson or course that someone would have to take in school, it would be a course that talks about sales and focus on sales and how to apply it effectively. That's, I think that, you know, I, I agree with you on that. And, and I think it's easy to assume that there are all these other things, especially when you're starting out that you have to take care of. But at the end of the day, if you get your sale, if you've got those sales, the money will come, you know, you'll, you'll be able to have the, the revenue, hopefully to, to figure out, uh, I mean, to, to buy some of the other things that you don't know how to figure out. So let's dig into that just a little bit more about sales because, uh, you know, we've we, we really kind of hyped it up and I think we have to dig into what, what, what kind of, you know, what are the top two or three things that you think um, are, are, you know, the key skills that someone needs to learn in sales? Like, what do you focus on uh, with your trainees and your interns? No, absolutely. So I think it's a couple of things. First, it's empathy from the way of being able to actually listen, to sit there and listen to the prospect, to the client. There, your you know, quote unquote sales pitch, what you're going to say holds no water if you're not speaking to their needs, to their problems, if you're not able to provide value and a solution. And the only way to provide value and a solution really is to sit there and listen. I think, you know, everyone always 
um, looks back at the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, and that famous scene at the end where he's like, sell me this pen. And, you know, everyone talks about what is the right way to sell, sell a pen? Well, the right way to sell a pen is to start asking questions and then listen to ask them, all right, what do you use pen for? You know, what, what are the important moments in your life where a pen would be used? What's, you know, the, how does the pen have to write? Really gather information, sit there and listen um, and, and be able to empathize with what the prospect wants. So that's really, you know, the number one thing um, that we teach with a lot of our interns and a lot of our team members is that you need to be able to listen because in the listening is where you can gather information and shape your pitch. So the second thing we teach is about really, I don't say controlling the narrative or conversation, but guiding the conversation in a way that you can not only gain the information you want, but lead it into the strong points of our service and what we're doing and why it's a solution and be able to really guide the questions in a right way. And I'll sit down with team members, I'll walk them through this. I'll show them that when you listen and empathize and gather information, the rest of the pitch, you know, the quote unquote pitch starts to write itself because someone in the beginning may emphasize like, wow, you know, we, we work with influencers and athletes and we've seen a lot of success with athletes, not a lot with traditional, but a lot of success with athletes. We love football players. Well, now I know when I talk to them about the campaign, I'm going to focus more on the athlete side of things and how we can integrate athletes into their marketing and how we can, you know, align the a pro athlete with their brand name. And I know it's going to resonate because I listened in the beginning and I gathered that information. So the, like I said, the second thing is really being able to guide that conversation from that initial information gathering and being able to tee up questions that really lead you into longer explanations and allow you um, to go into the value, you know, what you're, what you're selling. And I think, you know, the third thing that um, we sell is, is to really set expectations and be truthful and realistic. A lot of times um, we'll do calls with, you know, our interns where it's, I'll be leading the call and the intern can sit in and listen. And the call will end in about two minutes. And the intern will be like, whoa, why didn't, you know, why wasn't this more like a traditional call? Why didn't we, you know, sell them on this? And it's like, well, truthfully, A, it's one of a couple of things. Either one, you know, we're too early for them. They're, you know, that's what they're looking for won't be effective for another couple of months. Or two, we're really not the right fit for them. And there's no point in sitting here and trying to force um, something to happen when at the end of the day, it's going to really screw over the agency because we won't be able to perform. So I always, you know, make that a, a big point that throughout these conversations, the information gathering, the selling process, very quickly, when you're qualifying that prospect, you'll know whether or not you can actually provide the service that they're looking for. And if you can't, you know, don't waste your own time and don't waste their time either. So that's a big thing um, that, that we preach as well. But I think, yeah, those three things from empathizing and listening, guiding the conversation and just being self-aware and, and truthful with yourself and the prospect um, really are, you know, foundational elements in being able to, you know, really be good at sales. Yeah, that's great, great, great advice, Jonathan. And, and I think it, like you said, it applies regardless of what you're selling. Right. And, and I mean, it, it can even apply, I'm sure to, um, to selling ourselves, right. Building it. So, uh, you know, for a lot of the listeners, their students, as I said, trying to figure out what they're going to be doing. And, and so asking questions, learning to ask the right questions and, and then listening, it's, it's really, really very good advice. You know, a, a big part of sales is also learning how to handle um, failure and not making the sale. Do you have any thoughts on that? Have you, do you have any stories or any experiences that you've had around that, um, around, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, one of the hardest things that I hear from, from people who are first, um, you know, in a sales job is just dealing with the rejection. No, absolutely. Yeah, I think I, I, growing up, you always hear things like, you know, love, all is fair in love and war and business is business. And I never understood what it mean. Like it, when someone would say it's not personal, it's business. I never understood that until I got into sales and realized you're going to hear a lot of no's. You're going to hear a lot of no's, a lot of people that don't want to work with you, people that will hang up on your face, especially if you're you know doing a lot of cold calling, which is very boots on the ground sales, um, you're going to hear a lot of no's and you may even get some aggressive reactions. And I realized at the end of the day, it really isn't personal. They're not saying no to me. They're not saying 
no, I'm not working with you because you're, you're a bad person. I don't like you. It's, you know, uh, it could be a multitude of reasons from they don't have the money to afford it. It's really not a good fit for them. You know, there's so many things that make it genuinely why they said no. And I think that was the first thing I, I tell to anyone is understanding that it really is business. It's not personal. They're going to do what, you know, what's the best for their company. It's one of the reasons why you have to be able to sell and, and show them why it's going to be the best for their company. But at the end of the day, more often than not, um, you're you're going to hear no's. I think the statistic is that some of the some of the best salespeople, their average closing rate is like thirty percent. So I like, three out of like ten calls, or, you know, only three of them are going to work with you. Or you know, that, that's crazy. Out of a hundred, you make a hundred calls, like thirty will answer, and like out of that 30, 25 will talk to you. Out of that twenty five, like it's a very slim margin there. Um, so you, you have to kind of understand like that it's kind of the name of the game and nature of the business. Um, but it isn't personal, but I think, you know, something I really like that, um, someone we've worked with uh, a lot in the past, his name is, um, David Meltzer. He says a lot, uh, he often says that, you know, you could be 25 no's away from that big yes, from the yes, that's gonna like either change your career, get you to that next step your business needs to get to, you know, bust you through that door you want to get in. But you got to get through the no's. You got to you got to understand that each no is just one extra step further to that yes um, that you ultimately seek. But I think, you know, from my own personal career, some of the no's um, I've heard have have always either, you know, it's been a no and I've moved on. And I've, I've learned from it because every single no, you learn from the no's. But they've almost been like I received a no now from a prospect, from a client that became a client six months down the road because I was patient with them. I understood the no, I didn't take it personal. When they said, no, we're not interested right now. It's spring, you know, we, we only activate um, talent in, in the fall for Christmas. Um, so, you know, don't call me again. I say, okay, you know, understood. I learned from that. And then having an opportunity to talk to them later in the year. And then they're like, oh, and they'll tell me, Jonathan, thank you. You're one of the only few that when we told no, that you listened, you were nice about it. And then you came back and provided us the value we needed to work with you. I think uh, a lot of people, once again, will take things personal. They'll hear the no's and they'll, they'll try to cross the company out and never want to talk to them again. Um, but it's just be understanding. A lot of the no's I've heard have sometimes turned into yeses down the road because of patience, being able to empathize with the brand um, and being able to understand that like, all right, right now may not necessarily uh, be a great fit for them, but you know, down the road it will be. And it's happened on both sides of the coin from brands and even talent as well, where we're talking to athletes where yeah, you know, at the time they're they're just not comfortable. They don't want representation. They don't want marketing deals. And we say understood. And you know, we're gonna we're, we'll stay in contact with you, but completely understand. And then just being persistent with them and, and keeping the athlete updated. That one day that no turns into a yes. So um, I think it, the the no's are good. It gets you a step closer to that yes, and you can learn from them, which is the biggest thing. Every single no, I've never received a no in my life, and I've heard hundreds hundreds of no's over the years. Not one no I've ever heard where I haven't learned a little bit, a little something where I've been able to take away and then the next call, apply that something to that and be more successful with it. Yeah, really, really, really great advice. It's all about, it's about learning from our failures and not repeating them, right? And uh, yeah. and and I loved what you were talking about, about building relationships, thinking about them in long-term. You may not get exactly what you want today, but what you get tomorrow might be even better than what you would have gotten today because the client's ready. Uh, and prepared for it. So that, I like that a lot. Now you've got, you've got a really cool job in a lot of ways. I'm sure a lot of our listeners would love to have the ability to interact with some of the influencers and celebrity athletes that you are involved with. Do you have any particular stories or anything, uh, you know, about any of your, any of the celebrities you've worked with that you might be able to share with, with the audience? Yeah, no, I, we, I, I think when it comes to our role and what we're doing here at Distinction, we're fortunate that this vertical does allow us to be um, in a lot of rooms that, you know, necessarily we wouldn't be in if it wasn't for what we were doing. I think that's really exciting um, for us and it, and it makes it makes us have fun. And that's a big thing that I do want to harp on is that it's important to have fun with what you're doing. Even going back to sales, people can hear it in your voice and your emotions and your body language. If you don't love what you're doing, if you don't love what you're selling, it's, I, I'm not going to want to work with you. You know, it's, it's, you're not gonna be able to sell me on it because I can tell from your body language, you're not, you're just not sold on what you're doing. Um, and it's the people that have the most energy and excitement around what they're selling that are the most successful individuals 
uh, in sales. And I think for running a business, it's the same way, you know, make sure to have fun and enjoy what you're doing. I, you know, some stories I can think of back um, in 2020, um, when the Super Bowl was here in Miami, um, we were very fortunate that it was, it was here in our backyard. So we use that as an opportunity um, to really activate uh, with a bunch of different clients. Um, and we, we partnered up with a couple sports agents um, and had an opportunity to um, escort around some really big name um, professional athletes or big name NFL athletes. But one of the, the funnest things that we had to do, we, we had to go to media day, um, which is the Monday before Super Bowl Sunday, where the two Super Bowl teams sit down and the media can ask them a bunch of questions, but they can ask, and it's known for being a, a fun day because the media starts to ask like really weird questions and just stuff for fun, just trying to get the players to laugh. Like the big thing is whenever Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots are in the Super Bowl, everyone tries to get Bill Belichick to laugh. They try to tell him jokes, <laughs> they try and like, and he'll never laugh. And that's the fun part. So when media day was here in Miami, we had to um, attend it. And while we were there, um, we were we used as an opportunity to actually talk to some of the players that were performing in the Super Bowl. Um, I had a chance to talk to Patrick Mahomes, and I talked to him about his obsession with ketchup. Um, I talked to the coach Andy <laughs> Reid. Um, I, I remember asking uh, Andy Reid if he was going to wear a speedo on South Beach if they won, and he was <laughs> laughing about that. And like that was really cool and kind of surreal um, because I know it's one of those you know internationally broadcasted events where people want to see what the players are like the less than a week before the Super Bowl. And we were you know in there having an opportunity to talk to these athletes. So. You know, for me, I think that's that, that's super cool. It was really fun and, and super exciting to say, like, yeah, I've talked to so-and-so and I've talked to Patrick Mahomes about his obsession with ketchup. And I've talked to, like I said, Andy Reid or I've talked to um, Jimmy Garoppolo and I've made jokes at him and he laughed. Like all that stuff's really cool um, and, and really fun uh, as well. So I think, yeah, we, we oftentimes end up um, in some experiences, a couple that I'm like, all right, we can never talk about this. Right. But, but others like that where I'm like, no, this is a fun one that I'm able to share on social media um, and, and show people that, you know, we're, we're having a good time and we're enjoying what we're doing. Um, and and yeah, it, it's really great. I definitely can't complain. Yeah, that's great advice. You know, if you if you enjoy what you're doing, you never work a day in your life. Right. So. Mm-hmm having a great time. Well, let's turn a little bit to a few of the business side aspects of what you're doing. You have a business partner, you and Alex um, started this business together. So could you talk a little bit about that relationship and kind of what, you know, what makes that work? Because not every partnership works. Um, And, um, you know, obviously it it is about, uh, you know, it's a very important relationship if you're going to go into business with someone. So how how does that work and how do you handle, um, you know, when you have differences of opinion about what to do or disagreements? Great question. So I think the biggest value for starters of having, you know, a partner in a business, especially starting a business with someone is the perspective that you get by having that other person there. I think that that sums it all up. You know, our partnership is the ability to have perspective because we're, we're like, we always say we're like where we think it matters, you know, where we want the direction we want the business to go in, the type of brands we want to work with, the talent we want to work with, the type of campaigns we want to run, the success metrics that we want to focus on. We're very alike in those ways and we agree on that, but we're also different in a, in a lot of different ways that I think is good from a perspective standpoint. You know, oftentimes it, it could be you when running a business or being in deep, deep conversations with, let's say, a prospect, you sometimes get these blinders on where you see things between a like a tunnel vision and you're like, all right, it's either got to be black or white. And not all cases are black and white. And sometimes you get so stuck in your own head, especially if it's in the sales process or running a campaign, that it's good to have someone there who you know wasn't, let's say, in the beginning of the sales process and you're catching them up and they can provide that perspective and say, well, what about this? Have we thought of that? And I think you know him and I do a really good job at that where we, we try very hard to be self-aware in a sense that if I feel like, you know, I'm dropping the ball on something or if I feel like, you know what, this is, this is too confrontational for this reason or I may not be managing this correctly, I can bring it to him and ask his opinion and say, hey, what are your thoughts on X, Y, Z? And then get his perspective. And I know he does um, the same for me where, you know, he will even go as um, small as proofreading each other's emails 
for, for certain messages we'll be sending to make sure that we both are on the same page, we both agree and that we both have the same um, perspective on it. And I think whenever there's situations where there really is differences, we, we have a conversation about it, we hash it out. I think that's the important thing, right? Especially when running a business, you can't, you don't have time to waste. We can't sit there and if we're, you know, on opposite, polar opposites on a topic, drop the topic for two weeks and not talk about it because everything is moving really quickly. We, we live in a world where social media, the algorithms are changing. Facebook changed its name last week. Like yeah. Google SEO is always changing. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff's happening so fast. We don't have time to sit around and like get caught up on a specific issue or topic. But I think we, we just kind of sit there and we'll hash it out and we'll talk about, we, I think we do a good job at like, I acknowledge what you're saying, but I think you're wrong for these reasons. And we'll go back and forth like that. And we always, you know, find a way to find that middle ground. Um, you know, knock on wood, luckily we haven't ran into an issue where we're so polar opposite that none of us wants to move. We've always been able to be flexible. And I think that's, it, it goes to my point earlier where we're the same where it matters, but we're also different where it matters as well, where we can add perspective and educate each other and have more well-rounded decisions. And I think another just benefit of having a business partner is like, you're able to, you know, the bandwidth, you're able to manage the bandwidth a little bit better. I think even, you know, jumping on your show today is a great example of that. We have a lot of things going on with Q4 and luckily, you know, we're able to manage the bandwidth in a way where he can take care of some of the things that say I have to do, or I take care of some things that he has to do that allows us to, you know, be on a show like this, um, you know, without neglecting any of the work or any of the other initiatives that we have. So I think that's really um, important that I know a lot of um, leaders that businesses are owned by one person. That's kind of their number one thing is that they feel like they're drowning because they have no one else can understand them. No one else can reflect with them to have perspective. And it's nice to have someone there that like I can talk to and he understands the issues because he's going through them too. So if I'm frustrated about um, a certain initiative we're working on, that's not coming the way we expect it to come. He'll, he'll understand that frustration and be able to reflect with me and have perspective there. So it's really great just staying balanced. Yeah, that, 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 that's a great benefit that you bring up. And I think, you know, what, what it sounds like to me is that you've got mutual trust and respect. Um, you, you recognize that each of you brings different talents to the table so you don't have to compete um, over that. What, what, did you have conversations early on about your vision for this company? And did you come to some agreement on that early on that kind of helped you, helps you move, move uh, and advance the company forward as you grow it? No, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, we actually, we do that annually. Every single year we sit down and kind of have all hands on deck meeting where it's just really just the two of us. And we look back at the past, you know, 12 months and where, where we succeeded, where we failed, what we did right, what we did wrong, how we could fix it, how we can build upon things. And then we talk about the future and we kind of use that as an opportunity to check in with ourselves where, all right, where do we see the company going? Because to like what I said earlier, things are changing so fast. Industries are changing. E even a year ago, you know, things like NFTs that are now becoming super big really didn't exist um, too much last year. And now we're in that space working with NFT clients. And that's, that's definitely going to be a big topic of ours um, at the end of this year when we meet again to really talk about the futures. How do we see working with NFTs, for example? So I think that goes back to when we did start the company. In the very beginning, we had a, I would say a good high level outline of where we wanted to go, kind of what the end goal was, how we wanted to get there, the services we wanted to do. But we also left a, a lot of flexibility on, we both agreed that there's a chance that we may, we're going to fail on the way there and we need to be able to pivot. Um, and because we left a little bit of a vagueness to like, we're not married to a specific type of um, company, a specific type of product or specific type of talent, that allows us to, when we fail in certain areas, to succeed in others and then focus harder on areas that we're really succeeding. Um, and yeah, like I said, we're doing that every year. We're checking in, looking back at kind of the original vision and updating it along the way because it has changed, it has pivoted, and we just got to make sure we're on the same, um, you know, wavelength there on the same foundation. Because you know, once you have two business partners that are completely thinking two different things, that's a that's a recipe for disaster there. So yeah, yeah. we make it a big, you know, focus of ours to check in with each other every single year. Um, and then I know we 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 talk every single day. We have meetings every single day. So throughout the year, we have little ones where we have to pivot, to have to reflect on failures and successes um, that impact the company as a whole. But yeah, we're always you know having that conversation of you know where we're going. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I that's what I've seen as well. I think having having a, a common vision and allows you to grow together as opposed to grow apart. A quick question about talent um, inside employees that you might hire or interns. So, uh, what talk to us a little bit about your organizational structure? Are you a lean company with uh, using a lot of subcontract labor, or do you hire employees? and And what do you look for in talent? Either way. Yeah, that's a great question. So, yeah, we're still, you know, very much lean and mean, um, which I, I think goes to my point earlier, where both Alex and myself are wearing a ton of different hats um, because we we try to keep it as lean as we can, and we're we're trying to be able to move fast and be able to pivot fast. And it's the the that's the benefit of being a smaller, leaner company is that you can pivot so quickly um, as well and be up to date with everything. But when we look to you know build out our company structure, um, we use a good mix uh, of different types of relationships with talent. Um, we have you know our stand. We do have employees that um, we hire on staff as well that we work with. We do have interns that we work with, and then we do have contractors for select initiatives and select projects um, that we work with as well. And it's very common you know within the marketing industry to to hire a lot based on the clients you're working with. You know, oftentimes um, marketing companies similar to ours can find, you know, they they bring on a certain client where they can handle about 80% of that client's workload, what they're doing, but there's a 20% hazy area that they really can't. So they'll subcontract that out. So we'll be very select on how we do that. It's typically um, on the more creative side of things in regards to like graphic designers and photographers um, and things like that is where we'll, you know, do subcontractors there. Um, but when we talk about like the talent, you know, that we're hiring and what we're looking for in individuals, I know it's kind of cliche to say, but we, we love the hungry people. We love people who are hungry, driven and, and open to, you know, learning more. I think, you know, obviously experience is, is huge and, and being able to understand how we can utilize them when, you know, we're looking at their previous experience, even as young as someone coming out of college, what are the types of courses they took? What are the extracurriculars that they did? You know, what was their role in those extracurriculars? That, that gives us a lot of good insight to, all right, this person at a minimum has this type of experience, has been exposed to sales, for example, um, a little bit. At, at this point in their life. So we can build upon that. Um, and we know the direction uh, of the individual as well. But, you know, I, it's just important that we have someone that we work with individuals that that really are hungry, that want to get hands-on experience, whether it's an employee or an intern. You know, we, we have these conversations with them where it's the interview is not focused more on you know, what have you done? What do you think you can do this and that? Give me examples. It almost becomes like, what are you looking for? What, what do you want to get out of working with us? And in those answers, we can tell a lot about someone um, because it's, it's what they want to get out. We can, we can determine whether or not we can give them what they're actually looking for. And if it aligns um, with, you know, what we're, we're looking to do uh, as well. So yeah, definitely number one, I keep saying it over and over again. I know it's cliche, but the hungry individuals, those are the ones we, we love working with. You know, I think a lot of students are coming out trying to figure out how they can, how they can find their way in the world. So it's always good to hear what what matters. And when you're dealing with sales and and the kind of industry that you're in, I think you got to be hungry, right? And that makes a lot of sense. So I um, I can't resist bringing up NFTs. You brought you brought it up. I can't resist following up on that. And and uh, you all you mentioned a couple of times. You all have to stay lean and mean. There's so much going on. Um, really a lot of exciting stuff now with crypto and NFTs and that whole space. So tell me a little bit about what's in the future for Distinction Agency and, and you know, how are you all thinking of playing, not just in that area, but, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you see as opportunities out there that uh, some of our listeners might need to dig into and learn a little bit more about? Absolutely. No, we are very bullish on NFTs and the crypto space as a whole. There, there's so much potential there, you know, for independent artists, um, you know, to be compensated fairly for their work, but for other individuals who like to collect art or engage um, in these different communities of their interests, I think NFTs are really going to open the door there. I think NFTs um, are going to go super mainstream in other ways where from sports teams using NFTs to, to hand out tickets. So tickets are individually attached to an account name or to an account um, to an individual account owner like that. I think that's kind of the next step as well with NFTs. They will continue to get 
um, become mainstream. And for us, we love it. We're embracing it, you know, at hundred percent. We are one of the few agencies, I actually don't know many agencies like ours that are accepting um, cryptocurrency as a form of payment for, you know, the campaigns we're doing. So we do have a couple of clients of ours that we work with that have compensated us a hundred percent in cryptocurrency, um, which has been really exciting, which has been really cool. And that, you know, we talk definition about lean and mean and being able to move around. We, that was something that, you know, we, as we got in the space, we realized we need to be able to accept crypto and we were super open to it. And we were able to get it all set up within a day. And then that next day we were already, you know, working with brands and clients that were compensating us in cryptocurrency. So I think that's, you know, super exciting. We, we certainly think that's um, the future for a multitude of reasons. Um, you know, the speed of the networks, um, how the networks are built. We're, we're really excited to see where that goes. But I would certainly suggest, you know, just crypto and NFTs as a whole for everyone to at least be a little familiar with it and understand that when we talk about Web 3.0, that's really kind of the first step to where we're going. I think Facebook changing their name last week to Meta is a great example of step number two because NFTs. You know, outside of an NFT being a sports game ticket, NFTs by themselves, their utility is very kind of limited for now. It's a great way to, you know, own something, own a, a piece of digital artwork and claim it's yours and have a receipt for it that's publicly displayed on a blockchain. But from there, unless the actual creator puts utility into it, for example, the creator says, you know, if they're a musician, hey, you buy this NFT, I, you can come to one of my concerts for free or you can make a song with me, yada, yada, yada. That's a utility element, but that can only go so far. Um, and I think what's happening now where the next step is, is more of that metaverse, which is our lives are very much being lived online and it, it going beyond just social media. And I think Facebook recognizes that. Facebook has so much data. They're like a, a data hive mind and they, they already seen that pattern too. And I think that's where NFTs and cryptocurrency and blockchain are going to start to um, come together is in this metaverse, in this you know, digital world that we're going to be putting so much focus in, that we're going to be putting you know, a lot of our lives into, which we already do through social media that a lot of people don't realize yet. And I think that next step now in, in Web 3.0 um, is, is having these NFTs with greater utility on, in the metaverse, in, on, online, um, and kind of taking everything from there, the way we live our lives digitally um, to the next level. So yeah, we're really excited about it. We're hyped. Um, you're already seeing a lot of a great use cases, especially in the sports world with NBA Top Shot making, you know, basically trading card videos um, for NBA players that, you know, you can buy online. That's NFT as well. I think we're just going to continue to see those. I know we got big conferences. Art Basel here in Miami this year um, is going to have an NFT dedicated day to it for all the different NFT art. Um, we're going to be participating in that as well with one of our clients, um, but super excited. And I'm hoping that a year from now, you know, I talked to you a year from now and I can tell you that, yeah, in the past year, we've we've quadrupled in the amount of, you know, crypto and NFT clients that we're working with um, because we really are that bullish about it. Yeah, well, that's I'm excited about it, too. And um, we are hosting here in Tampa this coming weekend, a big uh, Bitcoin blockchain current uh, uh, crypto uh, conference. So I'm, I'm really excited. And I listen to all the podcasts I can trying to learn about it because this is all new for all of us. And yeah. it, it's really a lot of fun, I think. And, uh, and kudos to you and Alex for, for, um, you know, stepping up and being early. Well, I think we're still somewhat early, although I think, you know, um, I think there's, we got a lot, we got a lot of opportunities in front of us. So it's, it's still pretty exciting, I think. And it's, it's an area that I'm encouraging all my students to take a look at, um, and if everything from the way we transact business to the way we build companies, I think, is being affected. Um, so it's really exciting time. I could sit and talk for another hour, Jonathan. This has been so much fun for me. And, and I've learned a lot. And I know our listeners have, have too, because you're, you've just got a lot of great advice and experience. And, and I'm really excited to see um, where Distinction Agency goes. I know there's a lot happening in Miami right now in entrepreneurship and, and just really exciting to see where you're headed. You know, as we, as we wrap up, though, because I know Alex is going to expect you back to do a little work here before long. Um, what I always like to ask my listeners, what one piece of advice that, um, I mean, our guests, what one piece of advice they would like, might like to leave with our listeners? The, the piece of advice I'll give is the same piece I've been giving now for years, whether it's on a podcast or on a panel, 
Um, it's, it's this one thing, which is, especially for young listeners, those in college, don't be married to one particular track for your life. Don't put all your eggs in one basket and assume your life needs to go from point A to point B in exact, in a certain way. And if it doesn't go like that, you're a failure, your life's over. Don't think like that. And I think it's, it's easier said than done. You know, I remember what it was like being in college. I know the pressures from family, um, you know, family, even professors, even um, colleagues, other students, even, you know, social media as well, where it's like, you need to have a certain path for your life set. And if you don't, you know, go through that path a specific way, you're going to fail and be unhappy. And it's completely, it's, it's going to be, you know, over, which is far from the case. I always say, be very open-minded and, you know, use critical thinking, use common sense, do a lot of self-awareness, check in and and ask yourself if you're enjoying what you're doing, but don't be married to a certain path. And the reason why I say that going back to the beginning, when I talk about my career, I mentioned that from college, I got the internship um, at that marketing agency. The the reason why I accepted that internship was so I could go to graduate school. Uh, I think I mentioned that earlier, but to get into graduate school, I was trying to go into the University of Florida. The University of Florida basically told me like, hey, you need to get an internship. You know, you need to show XYZ experience for us to accept you in the program. So I um, applied for a bunch of different internships in, in the marketing PR category. And when that agency called me, and they said, hey, we don't really have a PR role for you, but we have a sales business development role for you. Would you take that? And in my head, I was like, heck yeah, yeah, I'll take it. And, you know, I'll, I'll do this because my goal was to, in my head, I was like, I got to go to graduate school to get my PR um, master's. And it was in when I was in that role is when I learned that I have a real good knack for sales and business development. It was something I truly loved and was passionate about. And if I was so married, so focused on the I have to go to graduate school. I never would have accepted a full-time job there. I never would have grown there. I never would have met my business partner, never would have started distinction. I had, and I never would have been talking about catch up with Patrick Mahomes a couple of years ago. <laughs> None of that would have happened if I was so blinders on. And, and that's just my point there is I was so open-minded that I saw my path that I, I thought I needed to go through and another path opened up and I chose that the new one because I wasn't married to one single path. And that's my advice for all students is, you, you are very young, you know, you do have your whole life ahead of you. Don't be married to one single thing. Be open-minded, be open to new experiences because in, in that process, you may learn that you love something else and pursuing that may take you completely out. You wanted to be a doctor, but it turns out, you know, you really love sports and you end up being a coach for a sports team and you're incredibly happy because you were open-minded and weren't married to the idea that you had to be a doctor. So that that's my big piece of advice. That's great, great, great advice. I think it's even good advice when you start a company, not getting too married to what you think it's going to be, because uh, yes. the opportunities will take you where they where you need to go if you just stay open to them. So great advice, Jonathan. I loved our conversation and I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, before we close, where can our listeners find out about more about you, follow you, check out Distinction Agency? Absolutely. So you can check out our website, um, distinctionagency.com. Um, follow us on Instagram at Distinction Agency. Um, Twitter is at Distinction Age. Um, on our website, distinctionagency.com, we have a blog that we're updating every week that is written by different members of the team. Um, and they all have really exciting perspectives on different things that are happening um, within different industries. It's not solely, you know, strictly about marketing only. It's marketing with NFTs, marketing in sports, you know, social media as well. So I encourage everyone to check that out and engage with us on social media at Distinction Agency. We're always, you know, looking to um, hire new team members. So, you know, don't hesitate to follow us and shoot us a DM or shoot us a message on our website. And then here's my favorite part. You can follow me personally at Wolf of Miami. Got that inspiration from Wolf of Wall Street there. So Wolf of Miami on <laughs> Instagram, um, Twitter as well, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn um, at Jonathan Bubik. Uh, but yeah, this, is, this has been great and a great conversation from my end as well. I really enjoyed the time. Thank you, Jonathan. And I'm going to check out that blog. It sounds really interesting. Take care and thank you again for joining us. All right. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.